into the contest. It's Tuesday the 13th of April. Welcome to Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Drew Jones and I'm joined by co-host Shane Lee as always. Hello Shane-o. Mate, I am tired. It's not because the family's been away. I've been watching the Masters, mate. So, <laughs> but I'm ready to go and talk today. Yeah. Hideki Matsuyama. I hear he's big in Japan. He's very big in Japan. He will be now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not as funny as I thought. Today on the show, we've got Corey McKernan. He's going to talk to us about the US Masters and our editor at large, Rob Gilbert, has plenty to say about the English Premier League. Also, Shana, just so you know, we are giving away a Spartan Rugby League ball signed by the Canterbury Bulldogs. Go the doggy. Now, Shane... There's a bugbear that's come into my life over the last couple of days, and I need to air this with you and get your thoughts. On Sunday afternoon, there were multiple games of Aussie Rules that I wanted to watch. In fact, that's not correct. Saturday night as well, and Saturday afternoon. And I wasn't able to sit down and watch the games individually. I wasn't able to immerse myself in all of the action throughout the weekend. And very soon, the AFL is going to get rid of Thursday night football for a number of weeks, which means they've got to cram even more games into Friday, Saturday and Sunday. How do you feel about the way we're scheduling sport, the AFL in particular? Because I just want to watch everything. Yeah, look, I, I agree, mate. And it's changing. The, the, the thing that people only want to watch live these days is sport. And, and it's really tough. And I've only really noticed since I've been doing the Afternoon Sport podcast is that I also have to watch all these games and it's not easy. And, um, you know, in the NRL, we've stopped doing the Monday night games, which is really, really tough. That was always a really good night to watch and get the last sort of match of the round in there. But, yeah, you take away Thursday, on a Saturday and Sunday, there's three or four, maybe five games that it's impossible to do anything else or talk to your wife or take your kids to sport and watch all these matches. So, yeah, it's getting, it's getting really crammed and it's a, it's a real issue. So this is just taking away so much for so many different people, not only are fans mm. missing out. The, the broadcasters, unfortunately, are also cannibalizing their own product. That's less eyeballs on each game because people have to choose and make a decision. I'm telling you, every Thursday night, every footy fan around the country wants to tune in. They want to watch footy. They want to sit down and they feel like their weekend is starting. Give me Thursday night every week. And then even two games on Friday, like the NRL do it, split them up. Give us a feast of footy, but don't make us choose between games because in in the end, it's just money that's being left on the table by advertising not being spread around, Mm -hmm. less ratings. So let's, let's get smart about this, I reckon. Look, and, and you're dead right, and it's psychological too, is that um, the one thing you want to do as a broadcaster, you want people to inherently sort of tune in on that night. And I think you're right, Thursday night for a lot of people is a sort of almost the start of the weekend. They've only got one, one more day to go at work, and then, then they've got the weekend off. And to take that away is, is really silly. I think you're right that it'll mean that some teams, and it'll be the lower-ranking teams once again, don't get to be displayed on TV. They won't get the sponsors and, and money will fall away. Very, very silly here from the um, from the AFL. So let's watch your space. But um, it's happening in all sports, mate. There's a lot of other players involved now, including the stands of the world, you know, Amazons. Uh, it's becoming a really, really cluttered and sort of disjointed um, programming. Yeah, that's true, Shane. Well, I know you're close personal friends with Gillian McLaughlin, so maybe you can bring him up at the next dinner party that you host. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't got his number, mate. But uh, anyway, give him my regards, Will. All right, up next, Corey McKernan is going to join us. 
And no, we're not talking footy with him. We're talking Masters. Hideki Matsuyama, the first ever Japanese major champion. We'll discuss all of that next on Afternoon Sport. Now, Shane, as far as sporting drama goes, it almost doesn't get better than the Masters. And there's a lot of bleary-eyed Australians who spent a fair bit of the night watching what was a fantastic tournament. So to discuss all of it, we've got someone who has walked the fairways. He's been on the greens before. AFL Premiership player, but also a lover of golf and the Masters. Corey McKernan is with us on Afternoon Sport. G'day, Corey. Hey boys, how are you going? Yes, it was. Uh, it wasn't just overnight where we had bleary eyes, but mm. yeah, that had really gone off the last sort of four or five days to me. But I don't know what you boys thought. It was underwhelming. I thought the Masters a little bit. It, it probably just lacked a, a bit of that star power on Sunday, and Matsuyama didn't really have a lot of pressure on him. But look, at the end of the day, it was great to see golf back at Augusta with a few crowds. But I'll tell you what, it was. I'm not, I'm not going to say it was disappointing because the Masters is never disappointing, but I, I probably did think it was underwhelming. Yeah, it, it should you say that because uh, you know, it ended up uh, with a one-stroke lead overall uh, for him to win his first Masters. But yeah, as you said, there, there was no sort of big um, last-minute uh, push to win it. There was no – no one was really choking. It was just sort of – it was a little bit blah, wasn't it? Well, it was interesting because that – opportunity did come a knocking on the on yes. the 15th hole. Matsuyama hit it in the water over the back of the green. So standing on the 16th tee, uh, Xander Shawplay, he really had a chance to really put some heat on. And especially after four birdies in a row, he would have been feeling pretty good about himself. But sure. unfortunately, he then dumped it in the water and then any pressure on Matsuyama the last few holes sort of went out the window. Like I know he only – he won. it was an easy one-shot margin, if that makes mm. sense. Yep. Corey, how disappointing was it that the leash, Mark Leishman, couldn't put any pressure on, considering in the past he has played the course really well? It felt like a really great opportunity for him to leave a mark and, and maybe grab the jacket. You know what? I don't know whether you guys saw it, but the, like, it was really, for Leash anyway, Any I thought any chance of being a legitimate contender on Sunday, and especially with Matt Siama, the way he finished the, the third round, uh, Leishman on the, on, on the third round he had the opportunity he had about four or five birdie putts on the way in that were all really makeable birdie putts and he couldn't hold any of them I just sort of felt like if he had to hold two or three of those it would have given him maybe belief that he wasn't so so far back on Sunday and it's a different mindset for Leishman going into Sunday Mm. if he's only a few behind but whereas from the get-go, he probably felt like he was going to have to go out and be aggressive from the start. Where Cam Smith mate? Where, Where did he go wrong in your opinion? Look, Cam still had a, a, a very good tournament. Like, it mm. wasn't obviously as good as the year before when he became the first player ever to shoot all four rounds in the 60s. So Cam obviously really likes the place, but he just never really got it going right, mm. this year compared to last year. And look, it was, look, on the back of, as I said, him him shooting all four rounds in the 60s, I felt it was just another great performance by Cam. And you know what? It's great for us each year. Like you, we used to go in there thinking we only had Greg Norman that was capable of winning the Masters. Now we've got Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Jason Day, Adam Scott. That on any given day they can really give it a shake. Now Will Zalatoris, I honestly had never heard of him before this Masters, and I believe he got a sixth place in the U.S. Open in his first major. So uh, he's obviously got a bit of game. 
What did you think of his performance? Yeah, they reckon he can. Uh, well, obviously, it's it's been backed up. He can he can seriously play. And look, it's like any any young player, whether it's cricket, AFL, golf, or whatever. I think the experience for him of of being there on Sunday and performing under the gun that's something that your money can't buy that sort of experience. And look, you, you're never really going to forget him, boys, are you, with a name like that? <laughs> That's for sure. I can't spell it, but I'll, I'll definitely remember it. Now, listen, uh, just quickly, um, the AFL, your North Melbourne team, although they're zero and four, I thought they had a decent crack on the weekend, mate. It was good to see that young kids actually feel like they actually believed in themselves a little bit. Oh, look, I, I think it's it's probably going to happen a fair, fair bit this year. I think they're, they're going to be in games for a long time, but... Again, it's like no other. It's like any other sport that when you've got young players, they've got to learn how to keep that pressure up for all four quarters, yep, and they probably just haven't got the strength or the body size at the moment mm-hmm. to really see out a game. But it's encouraging signs. But hey, a lot of the games on the weekend, we had some great games once again on the weekend. So I think they're standing on the mark rule. As much as uh, we're a little bit critical early days, it's totally transformed the game and brought all the big power forwards back into the game, which is great for us power forwards. Couldn't agree more, being one of them. Yes, exactly right. That's why I said it. (laughs) Corey McKernan is a two-time premiership player with North Melbourne. He's also an expert on golf. We appreciate your time on Afternoon Sport. No worries, boys. Great to chat. All right, the Masters is done and dusted, but still plenty to talk about in the world of sport. Up next, Robbie Gilbert's going to chat to us about the English Premier League and Manchester United's big win over Tottenham. Play Sport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec and well-being activities in your community. Just go to playsport.com. Play Sport, whatever moves you. All right, Rob Gilbert is with us. Plenty of Premier League to talk. Hey, Strew, how are you, Shane? Look, it was a, a massive week. There's only around eight rounds to go. We've got the Euros to look forward to. Of course, these are the postponed Euros from 2020. Manchester City look like they've got it locked up, but, um, you know, mathematically they haven't got it completely put to bed just yet. They're sitting second with a game in hand. But some excellent games over the weekend, some magnificent results. Uh, you know, we're seeing matches that are qualifying for European spots for the Champions mm-hmm. League. So uh, you've got West Ham. Uh, they beat Leicester City, who are a spot above them. Uh, David Moyes has done incredible work there. Jesse Lingard had been shopped around town after not uh, being able to, to get a spot under, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. And since he's come to West Ham, he's... Uh, He's really become the player that he'd been talked about for his entire career. He scored eight goals in nine matches so far. So they're uh, they're sitting comfortably with the advantage their way, I should say. So if they keep winning, then uh, the teams in the chasing pack, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs can't beat them. So uh, it's it's a great season. And then you you look at uh, at other clubs that are uh, just really turning things around. And mm. did you see the Leeds Manchester City result over the weekend? I did, mate. And they stumbled, didn't they? Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, uh, Pep Guardiola would have known that uh, his uh, counterpart for Leeds, uh, they're you know, back in the Premier League for the first time in 20 years, Marcelo Bielsa. He's an enigmatic coach. He's coached around the world. He's done uh, some incredible things. But what he's done with Leeds since he's got them back into the Premier League has been incredible. They're sitting in the top 10. Uh, and to go to uh, to Manchester City and to beat them with 10 men, 
again. Um, that's a, a titanic result. So, yeah, the Premier League, it, it never fails to uh, to deliver big stories. But the one that I like most out of this weekend is the um, the fight post-match between Jose Mourinho yes. and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You cross that one, boys? Yeah, so... Uh well, let's give a shout-out to Stuart Dallas, the Northern Ireland international who gets the double to sink Manchester City. I mean, Stuart Dallas is probably probably bought by Leeds for about £100,000, and Manchester City are worth, you know, billions. That's a great story. Great to see him going so well in the Premier League, Rob. And then Manchester United against Tottenham. So 3-1, the Red Devils won. But it was that first goal that's caused all the controversy, wasn't it? So Son knocked over by a feather and... Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't happy. Exactly. So it's the first goal that was chalked off uh, that you're talking about. So Edison Cavani uh, scored the goal. Scott McTominay put the ball into the penalty area to set the goal that wasn't up. But Song Hoon Min, the uh, the Korean international, is taking on Scott McTominay and McTominay flicks his hand out. Now, Mm. I tend to agree on first viewing of that incident, Drew, with, with the perception that uh, Son Human took a dive. But I've watched that about 10 times on a replay. And and if, if somebody just flicks you just with the tip of their finger right in your eye, it's going to hurt. Now, if, if McTominay got Song Hyun-min that way and he went down because he got flicked in the eye, I'm prepared to concede that, you know, he's not normally a diver. You know, he's a really competitive player, um, a guy with, a, a, you know, incredible will to win. So he goes down, the goal is chalked off. Manchester United come back and they end up winning 3-1. So the incident that we're talking about post-match is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the Manchester United manager, in the press conference after the match says that if Song Kyung Min was his son, he wouldn't feed him dinner for going down that week. Okay, so uh, so Jose then is interviewed in the post-match and he's not asked about the question, so he brings it up of his own volition. So first of all, he has a crack at the journos for not bringing it up, and then he says that Song Kyung Min is luckier that he's got a, a better father than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because uh, he's a courageous player and uh, he did not dive. So, look, is this Jose deflecting again? Um, He was expected to, at the very least, qualify for Europe with the brand new uh, uh, stadium uh, that's been built for Spurs, uh, uh, let alone contend for the title. So, uh, you know, it could be classic Jose. I tended back uh, that theory and I am going to back Song Kyung Min, as I said earlier, because I don't think he's a diver. Hey, to talk some women's football, the Matildas, we haven't seen them on the park for a while. Unfortunately, they got a bit of a hammering 5-2 against Germany. Yeah, it was, uh, as Tony Gustafsson, the new coach, uh, said, uh, it was it was a very harsh lesson. Now, mm-hmm. let's put this into context as well. So Gustafsson, it's his first match as coach, um, a, the, the Matildas are ranked seven in the world, but the Germans are ranked a second. Um, they uh, are the, uh, the reigning Olympic medalists, uh, gold medalists, and uh, and anyone who follows football at the world level would know that even though the Olympic men's tournament is an under-23s uh, tournament with three senior players allowed to play in the Olympics themselves, the women's tournament is a senior tournament. So winning a gold medal is, uh, um, you know, a significant achievement, uh, you know, pretty uh, closely uh, aligned with uh, with winning a World Cup. So it's good Staffson's first match, he was only able to pick players from uh, Europe, which you would think on the face of it with the likes of Sam. 
Sam Kerr, Ali Carpenter, uh, Hayley Rasso, etc., all playing with top mm. flight clubs around the world is, is a pretty uh, um, impressive um, group of players to choose from. But they haven't played in over a year. The Germans have played at least six matches since the, the latter stages of last year. Um, Ali Carpenter had to pull out of the the squad at late notice uh, uh, because uh, she failed a COVID test. So, you know, it, it's uh, a, a situation where we, I think, need to be a little forgiving, um, even though the Matildas are ranked seven in the world. So they've got the Netherlands uh, on Wednesday morning our time. Um, okay. I'll be interested to see the way that Gustafsson reacts. So to put it into context, he he is the uh, the former assistant coach of Jill Ellis, who was the all-conquering uh, manager of the, the US national women's side. So he comes with incredible pedigree, Gustafsson, and uh, uh, you would uh, back him in to, to – well, he might not turn it around uh, as quickly as we'd like, given that the uh, the Dutch are ranked four in the world. But uh, I think we, he'll get a better tune out of them than he did against the Germans on Sunday morning. Um, yeah, be, they'll be tough to beat the uh, the Dutch, I reckon. But uh, let's go to the A-League, mate. The Mariners looking good. Yeah, well, um, A-League watch with the Mariners, I've compared a couple of times to uh, the Leicester run in 2015-16 where no one believed they were going to get the job done until they actually mm. did. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a chasing pack uh, from Western Sydney on 25 points through to Melbourne City on 28 and, uh, and Central Coast on 30. So uh, Melbourne City have got a game in hand, but, you know, games in hand don't really mean that much on paper um, unless, well, they mean nothing on paper unless you get the result, do they? So uh, so that puts the pressure on these teams to, to chase down. So I'm just loving the, the story um, that Central Coast continue to write in, in this A-League and uh, I, I just hope they get it done. W League Grand Final, Melbourne Victory getting the chocolates against Sydney FC with virtually the last kick and it happened to be a corner. Cooney Cross floating it over the keeper to win the title for Melbourne Victory. Yeah, look, it's exactly as you describe it, Drew. Well, Kyra Cooney Cross, uh, she she takes a corner uh, with a minute to go in uh, in extra time uh, of the grand final. So uh, Sydney FC were the premiers. Uh, so Melbourne Victory just qualified uh, in the final couple of rounds uh, to, to pip Adelaide for the final spot in the in the top four. So the victory, uh, they, they looked like they were the favourites the entire way. I thought just I couldn't understand why Ante Juric didn't set his side out to, to to be a more attacking side, but it was Jeff Hopkins women that got the job done and uh, um, Yada Wyman, uh, the goalkeeper for Sydney FC, won uh, the uh, the best on ground medal, but um, unfortunately for her, didn't uh, didn't win the the, uh, the grand final. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was one of those uh, rare occasions where the, the, the best player came from a losing side. Now, Rob, um, Drew was doing a great job stepping in for our, our normal host, your brother, Timmy. Mate, uh, have you heard from Tim? I know he's sunning himself up in far north Queensland. Have you heard from your brother or is he, is he too busy drinking cocktails, mate? No, the big unit, you know, he likes to send some <laughs> photos out on the family WhatsApp chat. So uh, um, the first thing I saw this morning, um, uh, well, look, I'm sure there's no question about it whatsoever. He would have had a very early start because we all know how much he loves uh, uh, golf. So he would have uh, been watching Hideki Matsuyama from the time he, uh, yes. he walked out on the first tee at, uh, at Augusta National. But then uh, soon after, uh, his little fellows, Joey and Louie, would have, well, they did have him out in the park because I saw the photos. They were on one of those bouncing trampoline style actions. But Timmy didn't send any any selfies of him on the trampoline. I would like to have seen that. Well, Rob, there's only room for one Gilbert on this podcast, and we're glad that it's you today. Thanks for your time on Afternoon Sport. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Shane. All right, Shana, that's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thanks goes out to our guests, Corey McKernan and Rob Gilbert. Of course, 
Shano, my co-host as well. Thanks to our sponsors, Spartan Sports. Yeah, we have great sponsors in Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. And of course, thanks to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with the Daily Dose of Sport. Join us then. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.